Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kami Amarabian, joined by Jack Shields. And today, to talk about OU Texas, the Red River Shootout, Rivalry Showdown, whatever the hell you want to call it, we have Gerald Goodridge from Burnt Orange Nation. Gerald, how's life and... What's going on, man? Uh, life itself is good. I, I always remind myself of the Augie Garrido quote, uh, everything that matters is all right. Like I took my son to the park after the game on Saturday and just watched him play. It just reminded myself that, you know what? There are more important things in life than football. Uh, so, yeah, I think things, the things that matter are okay. Yeah, the, the sun came up inevitably Sunday, and things weren't as awful as they seem to be in the moment. Oh, Sooners fans have been doing that for two weeks. But uh, so, so Jack, to that note, how are you feeling, buddy? Man, um, well, I it's it almost feels unprecedented. You know what I mean? Because this hasn't happened in the regular season to us since 1999. Mm-hmm. Two regular yeah. season losses in a row. I don't, you know, I don't, I haven't been, a, I haven't been forced to process this since I was in the fifth grade. So I was obviously in a different emotional state and mental right. state at that point. So. Um, it feels unprecedented. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm handling it fairly well (laughs) just because it's, it's, it's COVID times and I feel like I'm numb to everything at this point. Wouldn't you say? I mean, I, I feel like I'm not the only person. Well, I, I just like this boat. I'm thinking, man, like this is what OSU fans think all the time. And it's, it's, I mean, it sounds awful, but then, like, you realize, yeah, that actually sounds pretty accurate. Like, you go with high hopes and end up with seven wins or six wins, and that's your season. But I mean, be careful what you say about yeah. this year. They might have oh, the only man. legitimate defense that's, in the Big 12. You're so. probably right. You are probably very right. But Oklahoma and Texas enter this game both off losses. Uh, for the first time since, I think, 2014 was that weird game. Uh, Gerald, we're going we're gonna to ask you a series of questions, and we hope you have the answers, man. I don't have many right now. I don't know what's happening down in Austin, but uh, hopefully I've got some sort of answers. That sounds pretty fair for both sides. But so Mike Yurcich didn't exactly have a conventional offseason like most people. He didn't really have time to install his offense. But how, if at all, does the season's offense differ schematically, maybe in comparison to what the Sooners have seen in previous seasons with Ellinger and Tom Herman? Uh, so I think for, for OU fans, it's a familiar offense because Yersich was at OSU for a couple of years, I think. Um, the, the big thing from, from Texas is you're seeing a lot more like the, of the wide receiver like screen game to, to kind of open up and substitute when the run game is not there. You're seeing a whole lot more of that this year. Um, you're not seeing as much of the slot receivers kind of in the middle as you know, Devin DuVernay and LJ Humphrey abused, you know, against basically everybody for those last two seasons. Um, so I think that that's the big, the big differentiator. And I think um, schematically speaking, they're asking Ellinger to run less more often than not when he's running, uh, he's calling his own number on a scramble or on a, on a rollout and somebody's blitzing and he needs to kind of change the coverage or change the, change the situation. He's had, he's had a couple of called runs. He is the absolute worst speed option quarterback. I think I've observed in a very long time, uh, which is not, that's not his game. He's not a speed option quarterback. Um, but they've called that a couple of times, much to my chagrin. So I hope that doesn't come out on Saturday. 
but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's wider, it's faster. Uh, and they're really trying to play with tempo. So speaking of the offense, Sam Ellinger, he looked pretty sharp in the first two games before experiencing some hiccups against TCU. Was it something that TCU was doing schematically on defense or was it just the uptick in competition or was it just an off day for Ellinger? So um, you put it way nicer than I put it on any recording I've ever done about Sam Ellinger's performance on Saturday. Uh, And this is the craziest thing. I looked at the stats and since taking over as a full-time starter in 2018, Sam Ellinger has been below 50% completions on three occasions and two of them have been TCU. So there's something, I don't know what it is that Gary Patterson is doing. I think there is, I honestly think it's really mental because there were some spots where, Ellinger and his wide receiver made different reads on coverage. And I think the receiver made the right read rather than Sam Ellinger. And so it's mental. I think he's just not, it's, it's overstated. I think sometimes the guys are trying too hard, but I really think Ellinger wanted to go out this year and prove that he could get over the hump, beat TCU, get in the big 12 championship game and hopefully come away with some hardware. And I think he may have just tried too hard to make plays. You know, there were some opportunities. There were like two big drops. Jake Smith dropped a, a touchdown over the middle that would have gone. He, like he, there was nobody in the same area code as him when he caught that, when he would have caught that ball and just bounced right off his hand. So there were a couple of spots where wide receivers, uh, Tariq Black had transferred from Michigan, had some really bad route running on some spots. So I think it, there was, there were, mistakes from the wide receiver room and Ellinger, I think just wasn't as sharp as he normally is. And I think it's, it's, I think it's a mental thing with TCU, if I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah. And what's, what's really funny is that we, we talked about, and we, we, we previewed Oklahoma together this summer uh, when we didn't know football was going to be played. And I mentioned, you know, like what, what was, what's the legacy of Sam Ellinger going to be like if, you know, he loses to, you talk about like him wanting to really come out and do it all this year what's his legacy if he loses to Texas against the Spencer Rattler. But, I mean, it seems like the roles are reversed as far as wide receivers are concerned. Like, it seems like Oklahoma's always had a dominant wide receiver core. CeeDee Lamb, Hollywood, you know, all those dudes in there, D.D. Westbrook. And now it seems like it's flipped this year. The Oklahoma, their wide receiver, they don't really have a clear-cut number one. And the wide receiver position at Texas seems to be a definite strength, whereas Oklahoma's not necessarily a major strength for them. So, which individual in the wide receiver course really stood out the most and which one do you expect to show out the most, especially on Saturday? Uh, I think I expect Josh Moore to be a guy who has, who has a lot of, a lot of action. At least he's a lot of action. He is, he's a guy who missed all of last year uh, due to some legal issues. He, got caught with a gun and he's like from a rich part of town which I was like he, he even said like I don't know why I had it it was the weirdest thing in the world uh but he uh so he came sounds out. like he's from Waco or, or Midway <laughs> possibly uh, but he uh so he's a guy he was on the receiving end of like the first pass of the the season which went 75 yards for a score he's a he's a like six two-ish guy really fluid uh can win some jump balls he's one that you'll like you'll likely see a lot of uh, Jake Smith was a guy who's been injured. Uh, he was the the Gatorade player of the year in Arizona, I think his senior in high school. So uh, this is his first real year of getting in the mix of things. Uh, so he actually has some specific looks that they've drawn up for him just because he's such a, such a talented receiver in space. Jordan Whittington uh, is a guy who hasn't played, he's played like, six snaps this season because he's uh he's pretty injury prone or at least he's two for two now uh, on on years and injuries so he's finally going to get his first real action so he's another guy who uh can make plays with the ball in space and I'm really interested to see Texas has some really big tight ends they've got like three tight ends that are all six six plus and so I really if if I'm sitting in that film room and I'm I'm scheming up and I'm looking at OU's defensive backs and I'm looking at oh I've got Jared Wiley who's six six I've got Malcolm Epps who's claims to be six seven but he's really probably six six and a half uh, I've got those two guys I'm running twelve personnel and trying to see if a cornerback can can check him. Amir, was that a Parish Cobb reference with the Waco comment there? Of course it is. That so was not bad. I, I just yeah. got onto that. That yeah, was. It's... I'm props to you on that. Those one. Waco that boys good. are something special, man. <laughs> so. Let's switch the topic to defense here. Uh, defensively, Texas, they've looked a bit like Oklahoma during conference play. And just to clarify, that is not a compliment, if anyone was wondering there. Um, what seems to be the root of the issue? Uh, is it simply poor tackling, or is it more about players being out of position? So Tech was tackling, without a doubt. Tech was – they were 
they were trying to tackle with their bodies. They were not putting hands on people. They were, they were relying on, on hitting rather than tackling and striking could only take you so far when you're, when you're talking about fundamentals, the, the TCU game is weird because I'm, I, and fans are pissed at me for this. They're in my mentions uh, that, you know, I honestly think the defense played well enough to win against TCU. When you look at how big 12 games are won is trading seven for three. Right, you win a Big 12 game by forcing the other team to kick a field goal when you score a touchdown. And TCU got in the red zone three times and came away with three field goals. Texas punted on all three following possessions. So, like, the defense had an opportunity and really kept Texas in that game way more than they should have uh, with the way the offense played. I think the biggest issue for Texas is actually like first down run defense. It's really weird. Like TCU averaged like six and change on the ground on first downs. And like, it was just not a good look. So they were ahead of the chains for most of the game and TCU just stayed on the field. They did what Gary Patterson teams do. They kind of just boa constrict you where it's, where they just kind of squeeze you to death. And eventually in the fourth quarter, you're like, how, how is this, how is this a two point game that feels like a 16 point game? And that's really what, uh, what happened against TCU is they, they struggled on early downs and they just couldn't get off the field. And something about Oklahoma and Texas is that, during this game, you know, the last few years, Texas has either like lost a player to targeting, uh, to an injury. Uh, and I know they've even had lost some guys to transferring. And so sticking with defense, which players on that side of the ball should we basically be looking for and to make the bigger plays? So Joseph Osai is, is always going to be the first name to come up. He's uh, one of the premier pass rushers in the conference and, and possibly even the country, if you, depending on who you talk to. And he has been a hair's breadth away from a big play for the last three weeks where uh, against Texas Tech, he got to Alan Bowman about a half a second too late. And it was, they, they were both could have been fumbles if the rule, if he got there, like, a quarter second earlier, knocked the ball off his hand as his arm was going forward. So they were both uh, ruled incomplete. He came up with a strip sack actually against uh, Max Duggan for TCU. And so um, I think Joseph Osai is a guy that you'll probably want to watch out for. Uh, Caden Stearns is another guy who kind of plays, plays center field really well. He's not, um, you know, because he's a free safety, you don't see his name on the stat sheet uh, all the time, but you definitely, he's a guy who uh, is a captain of the defense and will always, uh, he's always seems to be in the right spot in the right area to make, make a big center field play. But I think um, the area that I'm concerned about is a linebacking group. They, they're um, Delia Deoe is out for the presumable like next several weeks because of an injury. Uh, and it's already a thin group. Jawan Mitchell actually did get tossed against TCU on a, on a targeting uh, call. So, so Texas is pretty thin. Um, Court Jaquist is a guy who was a walk on two years ago, and now he's probably uh, could potentially start against, against OU. So, um, he's a guy to, that's the matchup that I'm, I'm really looking for is OU and the kind of that, that mid range slant RPO game uh, against these Texas linebackers. Gerald, how is the fan base currently feeling about Tom Herman? Are most people taking this TCU loss with a grain of salt due to the season's uh, circumstances, or is it seen as a symptom of issues within the leadership of the program? Um, so as, as an OU publication, you can understand this. Any losses take is not taken with a grain of salt. They Correct. should fire everybody after every loss is what the message boards say. About the third quarter, the Twitter conversation that turns checks out. Yeah, the, the Twitter conversation turns to how big of a check do they need to cut to get Urban Meyer to come out of retirement? Like, that's the literal conversation that Texas fans are having right now. Um, and I think they're – I'm not an Urban Meyer guy. I think I want to keep that guy a 1,000 a thousand miles away from the, the program because, uh, again, w winning is great, but do you want to sell your soul? It's another conversation for another day. Um, but I think with – I think the frustration is that the conference is pretty open this year. I think there are some teams that are really good, but when you go into a year where OU finally has the quarterback issues that everybody has been saying they were going to have every other off season for the last 15 years, like that's, that's the time when you have to capitalize and Texas hasn't turned that corner very clearly. And so when OU is, is not the big dog in the conference for the first time, basically since the conference's inception and you've got an opening and an opportunity to kind of step through that door and you can't, 
that's that's an indictment i i and i agree with it of, of the coaching now i don't think it's time to fire Tom Herman one because the economy's down and it's super expensive to do that currently. Uh, but I also just think like um, there's a, there's an opportunity against OU if Texas can come out and show that they actually made some progress and if they can, they can bring that golden hat back to Austin. I really think uh, that win is, is a pretty big ointment for, uh, for any loss. Yeah. So talking about this game, how do you see this one really playing out? I mean, so what does Texas have to do? in this game to make sure unranked Oklahoma goes from one and two to one and three in kind of a garbage, garbage disposal, dumpster fire season for Oklahoma, send their season down the tank. What does Texas have to do? I think offensively, I think Ellinger and the receivers need to stay on the same page. I think, um, you know, again, I think the communication was off. I think the receivers weren't running great routes. There were some mental mistakes in the receiver rooms. I think offensively um, don't beat yourself is is and it's it's so cliche i was made to be like a middle school football coach but like they absolutely beat themselves against tc as much as gary patterson and his team outplayed them but like having a having a wide receiver covered up on a on a passing formation that's 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 on you and that negated a 52 yard uh completion a holding call on a 90 or an 80 yard kick return to open the game like that's beating yourself and so I think um, getting out of your own way is is number one I think number two uh, limiting OU and really forcing Spencer Rattler to to beat you because he hasn't he hasn't shown that he he can do it yet right he hasn't shown that he's the guy with the killer instinct like OU has had at quarterback for again what seems like my entire life and so um, you know forcing Spencer Rattler out of the pocket to get uncomfortable to, to really have to make throws to beat you. I think those are the, probably the two things that uh, Texas can manage those. I feel like it's a pretty positive outcome. Gerald, are you ready for the rapid fire? Always. Sweet. Gerald, do you miss Mac Brown? Early Mac Brown or late Mac Brown? Now Mac Brown. Oh man. Uh, Mac Brown right now is incredible. I'll be really honest with you. Mac Brown right now is incredible. He's back to like, 2003 2004 Mac Brown where he's trying to recruit a national championship so he doesn't have to coach it which I'm totally fine with <laughs> who's your favorite sooner of all time uh can I say Toby Rowland yeah of course I love to I worked with Toby for like three years he's an incredible human being he is outstanding I don't think anyone has a bad word to say about Toby Rowland he's the best I'll fight him if they did I would fight him oh me too What's your favorite fair food of all time? Oh, got to be the corn dogs. Fletcher's corny dogs is is hands down like the winner for me. A, a tear of joy came down from my eye. I'm not even going to be at the game this year, as most people aren't going to be at the game this year. But they are going to have Fletcher's corny dogs inside of the stadium and inside of the fair, even though the fair is not going on. I mean, how happy does that make you? Just knowing that, that that's happening. Like that is. That is one of the better things to happen in this absolutely crazy year. I will never forget my last year covering uh, this game as a student. I was sitting in the press box and they brought up corn dogs to the press box and were handing them out. And I'm like, I don't even have to go stand in line. That, that's for this. better than 99% of press box food you will ever have in your life, too. It is 100% better than any press box food I've ever had. So it was absolutely- way better than Airmark for damn sure. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. What are you going to be drinking during this game? Um, it's an early kick and I've got, I've got a toddler, so I've got to try to keep uh-huh. things pretty, pretty cinched up. So probably, uh, uh, probably a diet Coke maybe, and maybe a Red Bull, depending on how well my kids sleep the night before. There you go. What's your favorite movie featuring Matthew McConaughey? Ooh. Um, so this one, this one's a little unknown and it's probably a controversial pick. Uh, there's a movie called frailty that came out in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, it okay. is, it's, it's Matthew McConaughey, Bill Paxton. Um, and basically it's like his dad is a, is a serial killer who thinks he's set by God. It's actually really, really cool. It's got a pretty cool twist at the end. Um, if you haven't seen it, frailty is really cool. Apparently I need to get on. Like, Tommy, what's your favorite? Services. McConaughey? Tommy, what's your favorite? Yeah. Oh man. The only thing I can think of right now, other than the new Wolf of Wall Street, it, which isn't anywhere close to my favorite McConaughey thing because he was just in it like as a cameo and almost like yeah, a great but, cameo though. But I can I the only thing I can think of right now is the is the classic dazed and confused. All right, all right, all right. They you know they 
they uh, stay the same age and he gets older. That that it's my favorite too. And he he was actually a student at UT yeah. when that movie came out. So credit yeah. to UT there for producing that human being. But um I think that really I, encapsulates like his persona. Yeah, I think that stuck with him forever and I think he capitalizes off of it. I mean, I think it's 100. it's it's fantastic. It just seems like it seems like who he is in real life. But um I'm trying to think it's probably going to be that runner up's probably time to kill great movie that was back when he was like a serious that was during his phase where he was like a serious actor Mm -hmm. like this was after dazed and confused and before like what was the failure to launch or whatever oh yeah i forgot about that that was a bad period for it was the 10 10 ways to lose a guy or something like that or how to lose a guy in 10 days that's what it is was was he in that yeah he was in that with uh, kate hudson okay we we also obviously have to mention Dallas Buyers Club. Like it's a great movie. It's okay, one that I guess I, you you you. <laughs> but it's one that you can't rewatch. Like you watch it once, you're like, I feel terrible, and then let's move on with my life. That's, that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. Absolutely. All right, uh, Kamir, you got anything else? I'm I'm good, man. I'm just thankful for this is the second time I've talked to Gerald in the last few months, and now that the game's actually here. Football is actually being played. A lot of the last time we podcast, we were like, I don't know if this bitch is going to happen, but yeah. man, <laughs> we hope so. And of course, our hopes were much higher than one and two and two and one. But <laughs> here we are. And I thought like, we would have played more games by uh, now, too. For real, on God, seriously, I, I'm so we'd glad have we win over Tennessee under our belt. Yeah, I'm so glad you didn't play Tennessee this year, right now. But I uh, think we still beat them. But whatever. <laughs> I don't know about that, homie. Uh, but I'm just glad to have Gerald back on the podcast, and Gerald. Thanks for coming on and tell everybody else Absolutely. where they can find your stuff because you put out some great stuff. I know. Uh, well, one, thanks. I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. And, and yes, I'm glad we did. I mean, relatively glad we have football. Uh, you can catch me on my personal Twitter at GH Goodridge. You can follow the show on Twitter uh, at Longhorn pod. I still don't know how that was available, uh, but we got it. So at Longhorn pod on Twitter, uh, you can always catch me on burn orange nation uh, where I write uh, all sorts of random stuff. All right. Thanks. Really, really appreciate it. And we'll catch you around next time, man. Thanks, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys. So now we are joined. We just were left by Gerald Goodrich from Burnt Orange Nation. Now we're joined not only by Jack, who's with me before, but now Stephen Brown's hopped on the podcast. Stephen, you told us about uh, your, your life so far today. Not doing so well, huh? Today was a rough day. It was a rough day all around. Um, I will say I pushed the date back a little bit farther because I had to go to McAllister's. I had to go get a sandwich. And then while I was there, uh, the lady offered me a $3 off coupon if I did a survey. So I did the survey right in front of her. I don't think she expected that. And I got a, a second sandwich for like $3 off. So no, that's, that's not that bad. Yeah. What sandwich did you get? Yeah, it's a good uh, The first one was grilled chicken. I think the second one... I think it's a club. Hmm. Can't remember. You know, I've been I haven't been there in a while. I think the last place I've been there that was like that though was Panera. Panera for me too. I think I had Panera last week. Panera's not bad. It's good stuff, man. It's, it's good pretty stuff. Good. Yeah, it, this... it, it could be like Subway where they found out Ireland found out the bread was actually just cake and that this is not a meme, it just was cake. Have you heard that? Was that the conclusion they made that it was cake? Yeah, they were basically like the, the Irish, Subway bread so, probably qualifies as cake in Ireland because so, Ireland, you know, the, our, the cuisine's a little bland. Our United our United States Supreme Court's dealing with so many issues, and then the Irish Supreme Court is like American bread. Uh, it's a, you know, it's not real bread, man. It's cake. Was <laughs> so, that your Irish impression, right? Yeah, there? I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not part Irish, and I never. I I'm never. Very Irish, but yeah, I, I'm not gonna. You know. My I'm dad did go to hey, with- my Muslim dad did go to Bishop McGinnis when he oh, when he for real when he, yeah when he came over your dad the, and I are McGinnis brothers <laughs> yes so my dad because my grandpa back in Iran before he passed away was this big oil guy 
And so he sent my dad, he's like, I want to get you to good education and also get you out of the military because these people are crazy. And so he sent uh, my dad to the best school uh, in Oklahoma, which was Bishop McGinnis, he, th- he said. And then uh, he went on to be uh, a chemist at Central State, man. So, yeah, you and my dad are Irish, uh, Bishop McGinnis. So, yeah, your dad is a, a McGinnis man. It's it's like a Michigan <laughs> man, but a little less insufferable. Yeah, my dad did an honorary, like, 5% Irish if you go there. Oh, yeah. My, you know, when, when my beard grows out, sometimes it's a little bit red sometimes. Like, I get a little red hairs. Yeah, my dad, my dad prides himself on being uh, not only the captain of the soccer team for Bishop McGinnis, but being the kicker for the football team. Very nice. So he's, he's very excited about that. But, man, we got some stuff to talk about. Sooners 1 and 2. The Longhorns should have been 1 and 2 had Tech not just royally screwed up, kind of like what OU did against Kansas State. Dallas, Texas. You look at ESPN's matchup predictor, they have Texas with a 66% chance of winning the game. But then you look at the odds makers, and they say Sooners by 2, over, under. Yeah, I'm going to go with Vegas over ESPN's nonsense metric. I'm, I'm sorry. That's fair. No, I, dist- I, 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 that's I fair. really hope Bill Connolly wasn't involved in that. We love Bill Connolly, right. former SB Nation guy. I doubt that his metrics were involved there, but uh, I think I'll go with Vegas over ESPN. No yeah. disrespect. I, th- I think that's fair. And, you know, both these guys are coming off a loss. Last time it happened, I mentioned to you guys earlier, Gerald, and you know, 2014, the Sooners lost at TCU. It was that weird TK9 game where, like, he – he led the receiver a little bit too far out of bounds and they lost that game. And then I don't know who Texas lost to probably like Iowa state or something like that. And it was the Alex Ross kickoff return touchdown Sanchez pick six. And it was like Oklahoma went up 31 to 14. That was the Tyrone swoops coming out. That was the Tyrone swoops coming up already. And then the, we thought he was going to dominate the world. Yep. Yep. He did not. Yeah. That was a weird game. Oklahoma pulled away and then they only won 31, 26. It was a tight game to close it out. And so, Oklahoma comes in this game, guys, backs fully against the wall. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit mentioned he's like, and when these when these guys' backs are against the wall, they uh they tend to uh, they they perform. And man, if one and two isn't backs further against the wall, you know, it's it seems like all or nothing. This seems like a season defining game, especially mm-hmm. for the Sooners. And so, tell me, guys, your feelings and your thoughts on what's at stake this Saturday. Uh. Well, the thing is, like, last week, OU had a lot to lose there as far as getting out of contention for the Big 12, um, for the most part. You know, things can happen. There's some chaos in there. But um, this week, I mean, they have nothing to lose at all. I mean, they're pretty much out of it. Um, If they lose, you know, they're all the way out of it. Um, I want to see this team – I want to see how they respond to having nothing to lose. They have no expectations going into this game. Yeah, Jack, really from think? a psyche perspective, there's a lot on the line here. I, I like I, I know what you mean. Like as far as season goals are concerned, nothing really on the line. But from a, a mental perspective, I mean, if OU wins this Saturday, the fan base is back to being okay. Generally, if OU loses, we are going to have an existential crisis on our hands. It's going to be. Rough times around these parts. I, I if I if Texas if the BON people they and they are smart, but I, I'm saying if they are smart, they will mimic your uh, meltdown idea mm. that you used last year. If Texas wins this game, because that 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 stuff is gold. That By is the gold. way, I'm assigning that to you. If OU, wins. I, I really hope I get to write another meltdown piece. Yeah, but it, and it, it is juicy. Um, and I love using the word juicy. I have no shame in my game. But um, Did you like like in the early 2000s when Britney Spears and those folks would wear pants that said juicy on the butt? Were you a fan of those? You think I wasn't a fan of Britney Spears wearing some tight pants? Call me juice, but, you, but the word specifically, too? It's like, man, not only. I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. All right, cool. You win twice, brother. There you go. <laughs> man, it's just – this game, this game, like you said, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, Jack. Uh, it, this seems like, holy crap, if, if Oklahoma's backs weren't against the wall now, this seems like existential crisis. People already want to get rid of Grinch. It, the, people are going to think, oh, Lincoln Riley, you know, it's too much for him despite him going to three back-to-back-to-back uh, semifinals and you know, forced the national, uh, conference championships in a row. And with all that said, you know, I mean, like you said, Jack, I thought about this for a while. Like, you know, this is going to be – at the end of the season, this is going to be one of the best six and four teams in the country. <laughs> like, you're going to look back at it and say, yeah, 
seems going to be one of the best six or four teams in the country. And, you know, if Oklahoma wins on Saturday, suddenly that TCU game, you're like, we can win that game. But, well, I mean, it's kind of like what uh, Allen said. You know, you mentioned being the best six and four team in the country. Allen was mentioning, you know, it could kind of end up feeling a little like the 2005 or 2009 season where the Sooners didn't reach double-digit wins, but by the end of the year, everyone felt really good. Yeah, I think and, this has a chance to be one of those seasons. And you mentioned this early on when Gerald was on, and I and I, t- I talked about this when me and Steven did the post-game pod on Sunday when we were both recovering. Um, you know, this team, and you mentioned the 99 Stoops team, the last time Oklahoma won, lost consecutive games, and I feel like this team has a lot of parallels to the 99 Stoops team as far as the guys being young, young playmakers that maybe get leads late in games or maybe have substantial leads against good teams like Notre Dame, like they did in 99. Mm-hmm. And they and just, Texas the next week. Texas the next week, right? And they they just they had the lead, but they were young. They didn't know how to win those tight situations at this big of a level yet. And so I th- I really think I'm drawing a lot of parallels from there. And, of course, you have a young, hungry head coach tonight. But what you don't have is a really good defense. But you have a lot of really good young pieces. So, I mean, this, this, this thing is going to be really interesting. Um, regardless, we're still going to, you know, run this train if Oklahoma loses. But, I've got, of course, I hope they win because then I get to write another meltdown piece because those boards are always fun. But Seth McGowan, rumored to be out, y'all, with a spaghetti brain, as some people would say and uh concussion like a uh, protocol and ronnie perkins even though like they're lincoln rally's playing gamesmanship guys gamesmanship yes, he's playing with words everybody knows ronnie perkins is gonna play and maybe maybe a jalen saunders situation i doubt it though chris murray might uh, get something approved who knows though i doubt it but let's say ronnie perkins of course does raise the level of this defense but if you're without seth mcgowan how does this even out for you guys? How much how much boost does this team get from getting a Ronnie Perkins out back, but maybe losing a Seth McGowan? I think the big thing with Perkins is you finally have an emotional leader on the field with Ronnie Perkins. Yeah, That's one of the biggest yeah. things. I agree with that. Clearly, this team is lacking that. They're lacking it both from him and from Caleb Kelly not being out there. I mean, you, there's really not much defensive leadership out there. Sure. So, I mean, from that perspective, it's huge. And also, I mean – Pass rush, there were some decent things from the pass rush on Saturday night. Yeah. If you had a guy like Ronnie Perkins out there, I mean, that could have been the difference between a win and a loss. I wholeheartedly so, agree with that. Yeah. You know, I was screaming that, actually, in, in, in the house and in my group chats. <laughs> Steven, what about you? Yeah, I think Perkins, I think, well, I, I argued with friend of the podcast, Keegan Renault, about this last <laughs> night. Um, he said, how, how is OU so love bad a sound at tackling? Bite of that. How is OU yeah. so bad? And I was just like, well, first you have Kenneth Murray, who was not only just a tackling machine, but he just elevated everybody else. He was that voice, and he yep. backed up the talk with the play. So OU doesn't have that guy right there. Uh, Ronnie Perkins could definitely be that guy. Um, he makes one big play. He's going to rally some guys around him. So absolutely, I think Ronnie Perkins changes this game. And I, I keep on thinking – you know, when we all thought those three guys were Mondre Stevenson, Trajan Bridges, and, and Ronnie Perkins, I thought, you know, the most significant piece of that missing is Ronnie Perkins, especially for that Texas game. I thought, man, the defensive line depth is kind of weak. And now that you have, instead of using Stripling as a starter, instead of you using, you know, 2-4-5 because you can't go much deeper, and you, you know, instead of using Reggie Grimes, now you can insert, a Ronnie Perkins, who's likely the best defensive player on this team, and of course, an all conference selection. So I think he moves the needle. And I think he moves the needle a lot more than Seth McGowan does. Now, with Seth McGowan maybe out, you know, it's still a rumor. Would you suspect to see a ton of TJ Pledger with small spices of maybe not only Marcus Majors, but maybe a Mikey Henderson? What do you think, Steven? Yeah, I was going to go with Mikey Henderson because uh, there's something going on with Marcus Major. I don't know if it's injury or they just don't have that confidence in him yet. But uh, a guy like Mikey Henderson, he looked good in the first game. Um, I think if, you know, you need someone to spell Pledger for a series or two, Mikey Henderson could definitely be that guy. And Jack, I mean, Lincoln Riley said this team has – and he, he, he was very forthcoming about it, especially since every – every really post-conference or post, you know, whatever presser after the Iowa State game has been really forthcoming. You know, he mentioned today 
that the team had really responded to how they had been pushing their players all week. And he feels like they maybe elevated their, elevated their play. Definitely. And so, I mean, in what ways would you imagine you would have liked to see certain position groups elevate their game? How would I like to see them elevate their game? I mean, offensively with the offensive line, it has, I mean, I don't know if this is something that can necessarily be improved from week to week, but they seem out of shape. The offensive line does. Yeah, I agree. They seem slow. So, I mean, that's, I don't know if you can get in condition from week to week. I mean, I, I feel like they might need the bye week to really get right body wise. Don't you think? But uh, defensively, you're not going to fix this tackling culture overnight. You're not going to fix the issues with the wide receivers overnight. You're not going to fix Buki overnight. Yeah, and, and, and Lincoln mentioned I mean, I, I feel like a lot of this – I mean, I, I don't doubt that maybe he sees something, but this sort of seems like lip service to me, wouldn't you say? I mean, kind of. I mean, he did, Lincoln did mention today that he feels like – and the question had to be asked like eight different times before he answered it finally – but Lincoln mentioned that, you know, players, it seems like they've been more focused on stripping at the ball because of the whole turnover thing in the back yes. of their brain. He mentions how they've been stripping the ball instead of tackling. Do you think that plays into definitely what you're talking about as far as like, because last mean, year Oklahoma was flying around and just wrapping up and not looking to make turnovers. This year it seems different. I mean, I don't know why that would change from year to year, though. Right. I mean, you would think that Grinch would stress the same things from year to year. I feel like a lot of it is just like Steven was saying, losing someone like Kenneth Murray. And I think, I, I think part of it is maybe, maybe this is a reach, mm. but some of it could be that maybe Grinch's fetish with turnovers is maybe getting in the heads of the players. Maybe that's probably a hot take, but I, I it may be that. Off. Yeah. I, I, who knows? It's, 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 it's like one of those things. It's one of those things like, where if you can get a team to say, oh, shit, it's happening again. Like, you drop the first INT, and then the second INT bounces off somebody of else's arms, and it's like, shit, it's happening again. Like, and, and you're so like, like, oh, God, fall, Grinch is going to really lay into me down for that dropping trap. this pick. Yes. You fall down that trap. Everybody's had that moment in their lives, but by doing something, and, and like, it's like, oh, here it goes again. Everybody knows that with their favorite sports teams, like, uh-oh, this happened. Oh, it, it's, it's going to spiral out. So... I mean, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. So, Stephen, same question. Lincoln Riley talked about how the team responded, how they've been pushed. What ways have you wanted them to be pushed, and how do you want them to really emulate that on Saturday? I mean, they've been being pushed for, like, the next last two weeks. I'm well, pushing the backfield, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know how much you can push these guys. They just need to go out there and respond um, to a team that's just going to hit them. These, they have to learn to hit back. Um, as far as, you know, Lincoln talking about they're focusing on stripping instead of, of tackling. I, I don't buy that because when you watch the film, these guys are just diving at ankles and they miss every time. Or they, they Trey Norwood tackle or they're trying to shoulder tackle. They can't wrap up. So if they're not going to wrap up, they're not going to strip a ball either. So I agree. I, I'm not buying that too much of that. It's just a bad culture of, on defense that they just don't want to go out there and hit. Yeah, I mean, watching the Iowa State game, it was incredibly clear that unless your name was Delarian Turner Yell, you were not wanting to hit in that game. Trey Norwood, Trey Brown, uh, Patrick Fields, Buki, who played one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. All these dudes were at the ankles, not wanting to drive their opponent backwards. And I, that, that takes me to my next question is, right now, knowing what they know about their team and knowing that you have Ronnie Perkins coming back, and knowing that you maybe have some other reinforcements on the offensive line you can utilize, but knowing what you do now, is Oklahoma tough enough to play Texas? That's the narrative every year. And, Stephen, I'm coming right back to you. Are they tough um, enough? I think so. And that might be going against what my last point was, but if there's one team that can get in Texas's head, it's OU. So all they have to do is go out there. If they just go out there angry – if they're pissed off about the last two weeks, they want to make a statement, they can absolutely play with Texas, if not just run over Texas if they wanted to. They have the talent. They've had more talent than they've ever had before. Um, it's just a matter of can you get that mentality. So um, can they do it? Yes. Will they do it? Uh, I have no idea. Probably not. 
And see, it's not like this year's Texas team, like the Texas teams we've seen in the past, is really built to, I guess, be I, – I'll rephrase that. Texas is number – what is it, 72 nationally in tackling, according to the metric yeah. from Alex Kirshner we saw today. Yes. Oklahoma, 73rd. Vanderbilt, yeah. 74th. Poor Commodores. Not good. Um I mean, this isn't really the same Texas team that has really given Oklahoma fits physically in recent years. Texas isn't really built that way this year, it seems like. Mm-hmm. This isn't as physical of a Texas team as the ones we've seen, I guess, in 2013 that beat Oklahoma, and 2015 that beat Oklahoma yeah. up front. Or even the one they the, saw in the Big 12 title game. Exactly. Or Yeah, the 2018 team. Or mm-hmm. even the ones that gave Oklahoma trouble in victories. You know, it's it's – I don't – this Texas team is not the type of Texas team that we're used to that is just going to dominate Oklahoma up front, I don't think. So I'm not really seeing those same issues coming about. Then again, Oklahoma's offensive line has looked terrible through a few games. So, you know, maybe Texas can look like world beaters against Oklahoma this week. Who knows? So, yeah, it it's so, it's such a mystery. I mean, like, Oklahoma counts on two teams to prove how tough they are every year, and it's Texas and Kansas State. And the Kansas State thing seemed to be pretty well, you know, done, but they still weren't able to run the ball. And then you look at, oh, my goodness, you look at the Iowa State film, and you see Creed Humphrey just get knocked flat on his ass and ran over, and it's like, what has happened between now and last year? Like, I get it. There was, I know there's a pandemic, but – an offensive line that dominant from that year ago and several years like that, especially of Creed's caliber, that's just like out of left field, something that we have not been used to. And so, like like I said, by the end of the season, Oklahoma's going to be one of the best six and four teams in the country because the offensive line is going to have it together and Oklahoma's going to have an elite quarterback. And then a defense may be marginally improved if they can get their crap together. But, yeah, I mean, I don't. I feel like Oklahoma's tough enough to play Texas, but I also thought they were tough enough to play Iowa State. And, of course, Iowa State offered high advantages. And, and they weren't beating Oklahoma at the line of scrimmage too much, but Oklahoma, they couldn't tackle. So, like, a second and 15 ended up being a second and four. So, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the emphasis was on practice coming out. And maybe a Chris Murray does somehow get eligibility, and then you trust him with the left side of the offensive line, the blind side of Spencer Rattler. So, we'll see how that works out. But, I mean, if he gets eligible, I wouldn't put it past the Oklahoma to play him. So, uh, Jack, I'm coming to you first. Let's go advantages for Oklahoma. What advantage do the Sooners have in this game? You know, personnel-wise, in this year's game, based on what I've seen, I don't see a ton of mismatch, you know, advantages for Oklahoma. I mean, is as far as certain positions are going. I mean, I don't see Oklahoma's offensive line necessarily matching up great against the defensive line. I don't necessarily see Oklahoma's current receiving core matching up particularly well against the secondary at Texas. I, I'm not saying it's horrible, but I'm not, mm. it's not going to be like a huge advantage or anything like that. Um, I definitely don't see Oklahoma's defensive backs as an advantage against Texas's wide receivers because that's a major advantage for Texas. Oklahoma um, does have one key one though, right? What do we got here? Head coach. There you go. That's what I was going to go with. I'm yeah. just going to say between the years, I think Oklahoma has the – Mental advantage on the field. I think the psychological advantage is Oklahoma's, even with two straight losses. I think they have the psychological advantage over Texas and just a better program culture than what Bob, you see at Texas. Bob Katam is going to poop his pants. He's going to implode. <laughs> yeah, he's probably going to poop his pants on the sideline. Uh, Steven, advantages for Oklahoma. What do you got? You went uh, coaching. I'll go. Uh, I'll go quarterback play. I think Spencer Rattler is yeah. probably going to be the best quarterback they're going to see, um, even if he's not at his best yet. Um, he's still going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the in the country, as far as just being an arm talent. Um, as well, I'll go Ronnie Perkins as well because you can kind of use him as an X, X factor. You haven't seen him throughout the the past three games. You can't really account for what he's going to do too much. Um, so that might be something that could. Texas might be able to overlook just a little bit. Okay. Okay. So since you were Ronnie Perkins, I'm going to go the opposite side of the line because we talked about this in the post game pod that Nick Benito get in the backfield and seemingly not do too much, but right. now with Ronnie Perkins there to able to create havoc and the increased rate of havoc with him and Perry Winfrey. Now I think you're looking at the, that Texas offensive line 
more or less giving way to Ronnie Perkins and Perian Winfrey, who's taking on two guys, leaving Nick Benito to come in a few times, maybe unscathed and not touched to really light up some Sam Ellinger. And I, I, I think, I think that rush edge position could be huge for Oklahoma in this game. And Oklahoma's going to win Nick Benito, John Michael Terry, whoever else are playing on that edge, they're going to have to get home and Oklahoma's going to have to twist. They're going to have to stunt like they did last year, stuff that Texas hadn't seen from Oklahoma before. So Oklahoma has the, the edge. I feel like, like you said, Jack in between the years, coach Riley and Alex Grinch, I feel like they do. And those systems are already installed, whereas Texas, they're still going on. They're, they're learning in the middle of the season how they should work that stuff. And like what Hugh Stevens said about specifically, you know, Ronnie Perkins, I'm going to go the opposite side, rush edge, and say, you know, Ronnie Perkins is going to offer a lot of other guys a lot more opportunities on that edge. So that's what I'm looking for. Now, let's flip it back. And, Steven, I'm coming to you first. What are the advantages for Texas? Uh, the biggest advantage is they know what they have to do. Just be a physical football team – and you have a good chance against Oklahoma. So I don't think it's too sophisticated. Sam Ellinger is a, a good, strong runner. So um, if they can get that, that running game going, they have a lot of, uh, they have a good chance of winning this game. Jack, what you got? Hold on just a second. Sorry. I was, uh, I was looking up something. Um, what was the question again? It was porn. He was looking at the, porn. The, the I was not looking at pants. porn. Settle down, y'all. Hey, advantages for Texas. <laughs> advantages for Texas. Oh, the wide receiver group against Oklahoma's defensive backs. Texas's wide receivers are enormous. Yeah, they're the and fast, against isn't? guys like Trey Brown and Buki. Yeah, good night. <laughs> That's yeah, gonna be an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. It's hard to it's hard not to pick an advantage for Texas. I mean, you look at what the Oklahoma offensive line has been doing the first few games, even against Missouri State. You know, that's, that's, that's troubling. So you, the, the way their linebackers and defensive linemen can attack Oklahoma's front five, uh, that, that's very concerning on offense, of course. And then, of course, Texas has the better defensive backs to Oklahoma's wide receiver talent. Um, Texas has really good wide receiver talent. Oklahoma's defensive backs are not so hot. So Oklahoma, if they want to win this game, they're going to have to rely on young talent, I feel like, and they're going to have to rely on what's in between the ears of Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, and that's what I got. So Texas has a lot of advantages. Now, this is something that new and something I didn't tell you guys about. And I want you to be bold. So, Jack, I'm coming to you. Say something that is your own bold take or bold takes of this game. I think the tackling for both teams is going to improve in this game just because of the stakes of the rivalry and all of that. The intensity of the game, I think, will ratchet up the tackling for both and I think we're going to have a lower scoring game than perhaps was anticipated. I think that's fair. Steven, what about you? Jack kind of took mine, so I think I'm going to go – I might just piss people off. I'll go Buki has two turnovers. Ooh. Um, Ooh. I think the way he responded after the LSU game, um, both you know in the locker room and then coming out of the season, having that good game against uh, Missouri State and then that good half against Kansas State, uh, he seems to take things personally, so I, I don't doubt that he probably looks at the Iowa State game and wish he could have it back, but he has a lot to prove in this game, and he's one of those guys that uh, will go out there and do it. I feel like that's fair. Ibuki had a hell of a game last year in the Red River, Red River rivalry, shootout, yeah, showdown, whatever you want to – in position. He was good. He and the, and the defense well. was well coached in, in, that, in that game, so – you know, and Buki does tend to show out when there is doubt cast on him. Like, he did have a good game against Kansas State, you know, prior to Kansas State, just Oklahoma just melting down offensively. And he just, man, it's it's tough when you're a foot shorter than Charlie Kolar, definitely. And so my bold, my bold take, and maybe I'll have a couple. My bold take is either one of these, one of the two following defensive players will be replaced after a bad series or bad half. Trey Brown or Pat Fields. You've got Joshua Eaton. If they're just saying, let it run, you know, this is a developmental year. Cool. Or Woody Washington slash Bryson Washington. Both are far larger and can play in the safety position. I love Pat Fields. And, and you know, we, we've been talking about this for a while. I love Pat Fields. He's a high IQ guy. He's going to do great things in life. He's not going to play in the NFL. He's like a Chance Sylvie guy. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's going to do great things. He's a great guy. He's not going to be in the NFL. Bryson Washington, Woody Washington, Jeremiah Credo has been kind of a disappointment so far right now. I mean, he's still young, but I feel like one of those dudes is going to step up at, after half. And then on the opposite side of the ball, 
I wouldn't be a, be at all surprised to see an Andrew Rame come in and supplant Tyrese Robinson or Marquise Hayes because a he's not overweight, not thirty pounds overweight when he came to campus, but also b I mean it right now it's not the, the amount of blocks you're missing; it's the amount of help, push, and care you give. And I feel like a dude like Andrew Rame will probably get you a lot better stuff with a lot dumb, with a lot fewer dumb penalties in between snaps and so i really like that and i really like andrew rame so that's my bold take and so what i'm going to say is steven what do you actually see happening in this game no score prediction yet that's last but what do you see happening what do you see playing out i think it'll it'll remain close i don't see oklahoma just i haven't seen the x factor at the end i haven't seen that that willingness to win a game so if it comes down to the final drive i don't see them you know scoring and, and walking off the field so I think it will remain close. I think Oklahoma has a chance at the end, but ultimately uh, they may not learn to win this game. I think I think they still lose it. Jack? Sam Ellinger, the last few weeks, or not so much against Texas Tech, but against TCU, he showed some signs of being kind of erratic a little bit. Like, usually he's someone who – I guess is a little steadier and less turnover prone than most quarterbacks, even though he's not very talented with his arm. He's a bit of a Tim Tebow, but he, he's a, a dollar general Tim Tebow basically is what he is, but wow. he doesn't turn it over too much. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I don't think he's, I think he's going to, I don't think he's going to be the person who loses this game for Texas. I think he is probably going to, I'm not saying he's going to have a 2018 type of game because I, I don't think I could handle that emotionally, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, I don't think he's going to turn it over in this game. I think this is his last game against Oklahoma. I think he's going to be laser focused. And while I do think Oklahoma wins this game, I don't think it's going to be because of mistakes from Sam Ellinger. And man, this, with you saying that, I think about what Gerald said uh, earlier and, and, uh, I feel like Sam has a lot of pressure on him right now. And I he feel does. like he, I feel like he wants to go out and prove that, you know, he is a he definitely wanted to prove something against Gary Patterson. Yeah, and it didn't he, wanted happen. To, he wanted to prove something, especially once he come, he wants to come out and prove something this year that he is the best quarterback in the big 12 because Oklahoma has had great quarterbacks for the last five years. And he wants to prove I'm the best. and I'm going to go first, you know, in one of the first few rounds, the NFL draft, and he wants That's to win happening. a big 12 title. And, <laughs> You know, I mean, and this year seems like to what Gerald said, it's, it seems like Sam's kind of wrapped up in that a little bit and wanted to make the big play because he's the senior. He's the guy. And I, I'm curious to see what happens if they, if, if genuinely he loses to four different Sooner quarterbacks and bake Kyler in the championship game, Jalen Hurts, and maybe a freshman in Spencer Rattler. I'm curious to see what happens and how Longhorn fans will view, not just Longhorn fans, but fans in general will view Ellinger's legacy because for Longhorn fans, Ellinger's the best thing since Colt McCoy. And that's not going far because Oklahoma's had a bevy of great quarterbacks since 2008, you know, uh, or even since 2004, if, if you count, uh, of course, when you count Jason White. So what I see happening in this game is I see Oklahoma, really, I see Oklahoma getting out to an early lead. We've seen that the last two games. I see, I see Oklahoma playing well early. I see them executing at a higher rate. I see them tackling well. But I also see Oklahoma showing their youth, whereas Texas, they're no longer the, oh, we're so young group anymore. Oklahoma's that group this year, but they won't make it a mistake next year, or really they won't make it an excuse, not a mistake. They won't make an excuse next year either. And so I see Oklahoma stopping some Texas momentum a few times with some stopgap plays and some field goals and holding Texas to field goals and maybe a couple turnovers like Steven mentioned. But in the end, I see Texas – being far too talented um it, this this time it will be about the jimmy's and joe's and not the x's and o's that lincoln riley can craft up and so i i think i see texas winning out here so uh steven what's your score prediction for this game uh i'll go ou let's go ou 30 texas 35 mm, okay jack I'm going to go Oklahoma 38, Texas 35. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I think Oklahoma with Ronnie Perkins back in the picture, obviously they're, the matchup with the defensive backs for Oklahoma against Texas is 
huge wide receivers is problematic, but I think with Ronnie Perkins back, the pass rush is going to get to Ellinger a little bit, and I think that's going to limit the big plays. I think they're going to hit on a few of them, but I think that's going to be limited. So I think they're going to be able to keep them to, I guess, 35 points total in the game, and I think Gabe Burkage comes up big, game-winning field goal, calling it. I, ho- I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I because definitely hope so. My, my prediction is not as fun. Um, I do, like I said, I have Oklahoma. I really have Oklahoma playing it really tough for the first half, like we've seen the past couple weeks. I mean, especially let's let's dismiss the Kansas State game. Like they should have had that game. They refused to step on the neck of K State and they let it get to them. But last game, you know, the tough to win in tight situations. I feel like Oklahoma will play really well in the, in the first half. And I feel like, you know, like you said, Jack, I agree. I think Texas will hit on some big plays. And I think Oklahoma will stop them in the first half and hit on their own big plays per se. But I think in the second half, the adjustments, uh, you know, with players that Oklahoma doesn't necessarily have the players, but they have the X's and O's against a more veteran Texas team. You know, of course, they are both having their own issues, tackling, playing defense. Uh, Oklahoma's rushing defense is actually better than Texas's, uh, but that's not going to say much if Oklahoma gets 115 yards. But that's to say – I'm picking Texas in this one. Count it. 41-24. 17 points Ooh. difference. Damn. You're going to get someone to slam their phone against the desk. Yeah. I, I just I just see it happening, man. I, 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 Call me Texas. OU. <laughs> I, I'm an OU hater. Why, why, am, I in the, why am I on the podcast? Uh, but no, I just <laughs> – and I'm not going to scream into a mic and tell you, like, different opinions that aren't my own, but – um, but really, no, I, I, I think Texas has, they have a good running back. They have, maybe the offensive line isn't as great. I mean, Oklahoma is not like they're any better. Um, and then they've got a veteran quarterback. Of course, the fans aren't full, so that helps you out. But man, they, they've got dynamic athletes at wide receiver in Oklahoma. They don't really have that. And they don't really have the dynamic athletes at defensive back either. So I think it's going to be problematic, especially if Rattler is, running for his life. So, I mean, if Oklahoma can only have three receivers run out in motion and in, in routes, and if Austin Stogner has to constantly stay in the line and chip on a defensive end and then run like a leak out, a leak route, like over the middle of the field, it's not good news, but if they're able to hold their own, then maybe the, the game will be very competitive throughout the entire game. I just don't, I just don't see it, man. I just don't see it. Maybe, Maybe I hate Oklahoma. I mean, maybe I do, but it's just you're part of the anti OU deep state, Kamiar. I guess, man. I guess, but that that's my story. I'm sticking to it. But uh, what what else? What other games are happening this weekend that are significant? Are there? I feel like there I've are. kind of tuned out, so I don't even know. Yeah, I feel. It's I mean, I'm gonna late. do my gambling post later this week, so I'll figure it out. But as of now, I am not entirely sure let let's let's see florida and a&m that's not bad yeah oh my um, and i knew a&m was gonna get georgia tennessee um iowa state texas tech bama Ole miss miami clemson that's not bad oh yeah bad. i'm interested that's in that not bad uh and that's that's pretty much it north carolina virginia tech would be that's pretty good one yeah definitely good you're not excited about turn of the mac Auburn playing the Arkansas Razorbacks, who just defeated Mike Leach. Ooh. I do like Arkansas's coach, Grove, Oklahoma native. The guy who says, yes, sir. <laughs> I remember when he first tweeted that, and I, I, I hated Love it. it so much. But then I mean, I he, wa- he is Arkansas's Ed Orgeron, No, but No, yeah, I agree. Like, I, from a cultural perspective, Grove, Oklahoma is basically Arkansas. Because I remember that tweet specifically. He just he, It sounded like this. He's like, just got off a plane, recruiting trip, getting some more hogs. Yes, sir. <laughs> Go hogs. I was like, I was like, oh, I hate this so much. And then I watched it ten more times, and I was like, oh, why is it happening again? I hate how much I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he seems cool. I mean, just like the entire SEC coaching tree is Sabanites. Like, come on, like whatever. They all run the same crap now. It's whatever. But man, I'm I'm ready to get out of here. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm ready to go to bed. I'm ready to get out of here. I, I, I'm, I'm ready to not think about football for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You only have a, a, a vice president. It is weird. Like, I wake up tomorrow. every morning. Usually OU Texas <laughs> week, I wake up every morning like, mm-hmm. oh, it's OU Texas week. This, 
This Taking week it takes me until about 10 a.m. to remember that it's OU Texas week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my screen time, according to iPhone, like last week, was down 12%. This it's down so far 15% this week. So wow, staying That's good off for you though. Staying off the Twitter sphere because uh, the good past the can't eyes. hurt me. Yeah, the, the past can't hurt me if it's if I'm not watching it. So. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you're listening into it and you're not subscribed, what are you doing? Subscribe to it and then give us a five-star rating, which a couple more people did. Appreciate you guys that did do that. Follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. Posting stuff every day. It's a lot of great stuff. And then my bad betting picks that we throw out every Friday or Saturday. I'm terrible at picking teams, so don't ever like use my picks if you're actually betting. Just you're listen gonna to Alan. Yeah, L- listen to Alan. Jack's having <laughs> Jack, Jack's having. You're having success too. I'm just. I'm bad. doing all right. Don't listen to my takes. I was they're, at sixty nine percent. Nice. But now I'm down to sixty. Oh, and speaking last week of was really really bad. Speaking of sixty nine, we missed. We forgot to crown our sixty ninth episode a week ago, and I. I I found out too late, and I was pretty sad. So, oh. happy post 69th best nice podcast. Well, a retroactive nice. <laughs> yeah, a retroactive nice. But hey, follow us on Twitter. There's Jack is usually the main guy in the account at CC Machine, or follow J Larry Shields. I'm at Cam Robbie and CCM. Follow Steven at OU Updated SB. Follow Alan Kenny, who also puts out great podcasts and does amazing work at Blatant Homerism. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We'll check you guys later after Saturday. If there's a sun the next day, cool. If there's not, we'll still have a post-game podcast for you guys. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Have a good one.